there was kind of a collaboration with Matt Redman and, and the choir. And, and it was halfway through Matt's set right in the middle of the crowd. Um, there was this like full on brawl, apparently two different gangs in the area of kids just decided to, to sort of start up a fight and um, in the middle of a Matt Redmond set in, in the middle of yes, in the middle of the Matt Redmond set. <laughs> Good day, everyone. Thanks for listening and welcome to the show on behalf of Disciple of City. I'm Todd Carlton and this is the Toddcast. Friends, if you're interested in becoming equipped to share the gospel, email us at information at discipleacity.ca. My guest today is from Portland, Oregon. He started his career with YFC, Youth for Christ, and he is now working for Epic Creative and was the stage manager at Awakening Australia and is the production manager for the Louis Palau Association. Please welcome Kevin B. Hart. Hey, bro. Hey. How are you, man? Thanks for Thanks for. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It's nice to meet you. Absolutely. Great to meet you. It's uh, too bad I wasn't at that Awakening Australia event. Uh, I, I had was actually down there a couple of weeks prior uh, with Adam. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I watched it, uh, stayed up all night <laughs> and watched it because it was such an awesome event. Oh, that was great. It was very, yeah, very cool. Very, um, that was my, um, uh, first experience with that, with that team. And, and, uh, a buddy of mine actually who worked for the production company had brought me down to, uh, kind of help stage manage things. And so, yeah, it was a fun, fun experience. Great to, you know, have some other people from across the pond, um, to, to be down there with us. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an epic weekend. For sure. Um, so Kevin, man, let's, um, where are you from originally? And, uh, like when did you come to faith or when did you, at what point was, did Jesus become real to you, man? Well, that's, that's kind of a two part question when, as far as when Jesus really became real to me and, uh, and really when I came to the Lord, um, I was actually born up towards uh, where you guys are up in upper Michigan, um, up in Calumet, uh, Michigan, um, and uh, lived there until I was about seven. And then kind of my family moved to Denver, Colorado, which is where I did the the rest of my, my growing up, I guess, went to college in Denver and then eventually moved up to the Northwest um, uh, right after, right after college. But uh, um I, you know, I grew up in a, in a Christian family. Um, my parents both love the Lord and, uh, my grandparents all love the Lord on, on both sides of the family. And there, there really is a legacy of faith. Um, cause even that dates back years prior to that, um, or, I, you know, generations prior to that, that they, that they love the Lord. And, um, so I grew up in a Christian family, which, which it, it took me years to really, um, see the, the blessing in that, um, you know, I, I know of, uh, friends over the years that, that have these great testimonies of when, you know, the Lord radically changed them. And, and I just said, you know, I, I, I prayed the prayer when I was five years old, um, uh, prayed again when I was seven. Um, when, when my dad came in to, uh, to my room and just said, Hey, you know, have you ever, uh, accepted the Lord and, and, and you know what that means? Yeah, dad, I know what that means. He says, well, let's pray and, uh, rededicated my life at, at, uh, summer camp when I was in junior high, uh, which is a lot of, at least, at least back when I was growing up, a lot of kids like, you know, come to, come to the Lord is through summer camp. Um, yeah. And it definitely was, you know, kind of those emotional experiences, but, uh, but really I, I'm I'm blessed in the sense that um, you know when we would go on road trips, um, you know rather than playing some sort of weird car game, which we did, you know we would get up in the morning and and roll out of the hotel, and if we're kind of road tripping up to Michigan or down to Florida to see see family, I remember you know my mom breaking out the 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 Chuck Swindoll uh, daily devotional book, and we would do a devotional in in the car um, driving down the road. And so that's, that's the family that I, that I grew up in. Of course, you know, we just kind of hem and hawed. It's like, oh, okay, we, you know, we're going to do this. 
but um, <laughs> it's kind of those things. You know, I was part of Awana um, growing up, which is uh, which I've learned is is a little more of a Baptist thing. Um, but uh, you know, it was a, a chance for me to um, to you know just the the um, the discipline of, of memorizing scripture. And again, even though I kind of hem and hawed when I was growing up at those things, you know, that's really what kind of sort of set the foundation um, of of my um, of my walk with the Lord. Um, when in when I talked about the summer camp, there is something that I, I dedicated that week. So um, rededicate my life to the Lord uh, again, riding a little bit off the emotion. But at the end of the week. Our camp speaker, I remember, said, "Hey, I really want to call people to if you um, if you really want to make an impact in this world and, and and really dedicate the rest of your life to you know being a missionary and in whatever context that looks like, you know, um, I want you to come forward. You know, if you feel God is leading you to a, a life of um, of ministry in whatever context that is, you know, I, I want you to come forward." And that was the one day uh, I think, you know, all of us, all my buddies, you know, we would go up at different times because, again, it's an emotional experience. You want to be part of the crowd. You want to go forward. But that last night, I was really the only one that kind of went forward. It's like, yeah, I want to I want to I want to share Jesus. I want to whatever that looks like. I want to, you know, be in ministry and and um, uh, in my 12 year old brain, I had some very specific thoughts as far as like friends that I had in school that I wanted to, to, to share the Lord with. And, and, um, you know, just, just thinking of their, the alternative of life in Christ or, uh, a life, you know, headed towards hell. Um, you know, I had some very specific thoughts, but it wasn't until, you know, subsequent years that, um, that I realized what that was going to, what that, that, um, commitment was going to to take on and and the opportunities that the lord has has given me to um to minister to be part of ministry and to use the you know the gifts that he's he's given me for for his kingdom so um the second part of your question um as far as when did jesus become real to me um, again, in college, I remember sharing, we'd have moments where we'd all share our testimonies and, and I always felt my testimony was pretty, pretty boring. Um, and then someone came up to me, encouraged me saying, Hey, it's not boring. Like, I wish I grew up in a Christian family. Like, that's pretty awesome. You know, I wish I had parents that, that, you know, pointed me to, to Jesus. Uh, so there was that realization, but, um, at the end of, at the end of college and, and moving up here, I had gotten married. Um, kind of in the late, late nineties. And after about three years uh, of marriage and moving up here to the, to the, uh, to the Northwest, um, for all, whatever reason, um, the, the may, the marriage failed and I was, uh, heartbroken and left up here in a, in a city that I was brand new to, um, all of our friends, all the people who were, that we surrounded ourselves with that would have, you know, kept us accountable. They were all back in Colorado. And, um, I was just sort of left heartbroken, um, in a, in a brand new city. Uh, we, we had a daughter and, uh, sort of sharing time with her and, and really feeling like a part-time dad, you know, it was, that was a real, like, that was obviously a very difficult time, but I, I tell you, that's, um, that's also when Jesus became real. Um, the idea of grace when growing up in a, in a Christian family. And, and I, I don't think we were, we were by no means legalistic. Uh, I don't think really our church was legalistic, but I think church world back in the eighties and nineties, you know, divorce was a, was a bad, bad word. And, um, Immediately, I sort of felt like I had a a scarlet D on my chest, and it's like, oh, I'm a divorcee, and how's anybody, you know, am I ever going to be able to to serve the kingdom again? And and um, but even before that, I mean, I just I I was just heartbroken, and and uh, God showed up in these little, very tangible ways 
um, leading me to a really good church that I was able to be grounded in um, and really building a life uh, of, uh, of friends and, and, and people up here in the Northwest in Portland, Oregon um, that uh, would continue to encourage me in my walk. And, and I just, the, the, the empathy that I, that I sort of gained from that, I, I, it's not that I played church or, or played the Christian or, or whatever, but um, it was the first time that I'm, I'm just like, I pressed into God's grace, like no other time in my life. Um, and that's really when it, 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 Jesus became real. And um, I remember Shortly after my ex-wife had left, um, my family, uh, my my folks came into town, um, kind of visiting. Kind of, we had just moved, literally just moved to to Portland, Oregon, three months beforehand, and so they even they hadn't even been up to the Northwest yet to to visit me, and and they came up, and we kind of did all the tourist things, and went up to Mount Hood, and. There is a Timberline Lodge is up there, and it, it it's got this parking lot that sort of overlooks the the Southern Cascades uh, from everything south of of Mount Hood, and and you're just up in above the clouds. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty gorgeous. And my dad stood there, and and um, he told me this sometime later. It could have been a few weeks later, it could have been a couple days later. I sometime later, it wasn't on the same day. He says, you know. Um, he says probably the first time that that I ever heard a audible word from the Lord. Um, he said he he just gave me this this word that Kevin's going to be okay and he's going to have a ministry that um, that will really be affected by 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 this divorce and what kind of the broken hearted path that he's that he's on right now. And my dad told me that, and it was just weird, you know. It, um, just knowing my dad and, and and his walk with the Lord, you know, we grow we grow Baptist, you know, we're we're more conservative. We don't we don't get these like, you know, lightning strike moments as much. And he says, I, the Lord spoke to me uh, audibly, and he says that you're going to be okay. And so, little moments like that, finding the church that you know, my dad sharing that with me. Um, was just this assurance that, yeah, I'm going to be okay. And, and, um, you know, it took a little bit of patience to, to figure out what that was, started serving my church at the time and, um, and really just seeing what God, seeing the doors that just got open, open up to me. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's when that's Jesus awesome. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I've heard people say that before too that when they've grown up uh in the church or whatever that they don't feel like they have a testimony but you know and i'm one that came to faith later in life but to me it's like we we can all have our beliefs everybody believes in something or has some kind of a belief but there's a there's a shift in our spirit when jesus becomes real and whether you grew up in the church or not in my opinion anyways as a kid you go to want you go to camp you go to all these things um, you know, and like you said, there's an emotion attached to camp and you're there with all the kids and you want to do what they do and stuff, but there's still a moment, which, still which, moment, yeah. yeah. Right. Which you just identified, man, that, that, uh, made it real. And that's, you know, that's the fundamentals of that relationship with God. And, you know, dude, yeah. what's, what's interesting is, um, you talked about listening to Chuck Swindoll devos when you were a kid mm-hmm. or not listening to them, reading them in a book. Did you say? Yeah, and we well, and my parents would have would have Chuck Swindoll, the Insight for Living Hour on when we were in the car as well. Okay, so, yeah. so when I grew up, never knew who this guy was, but man, when I came to faith, I stopped listening to music, and I had Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley. I had like six podcasts, mm. and I binged like all day Chuck Swindoll. So, so at the end of the day, <laughs> you're getting Chuck Swindoll, whether it's in little doses growing up. Oh, wow. It's, or you're yeah, getting like, hammered, right? That's drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. So so what, what, uh, what led you into Youth for Christ? Well, so um, coming out of high school, actually, um, 
again, just these divine, uh, divine appointments that God just had, um, sort of written out for my life and, and what, you know, I was just along for the ride sometimes, but when coming out of high school, um, I had a, a desire to get into, into music. Um, I wanted to major in music. Um, I had been part of, you know, music all the way through, through high school and, uh, had an opportunity to tour with, uh, a group called the Continentals when I, uh, over two summers when I was in high school and, uh, you know, that was life change, you know, also life changing experience and seeing people come to the Lord, um, getting, to, we went, went up to Canada, spent some, you know, spent some time there on our tour. Uh, the next year I went over to, um, the Baltic States, which had just broken away from the Soviet Union at the time, the former Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, really cool opportunities to, you know, um, to just be a part of what God was doing. And even if, even if the, the Connells were by, by today's standard would probably seem pretty, pretty cheesy music, if you will. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity, but, um, coming out of high school, uh, I was all about music. And I re- remember going, um, my senior year of high school, I remember we, um, uh, a buddy of mine were given an opportunity by our pastor to come and help with a, a vend some, some vendor, like the, the guy that does all the taping ministry for a conference, you know, he'd basically re- record and, and, and do cassette tape recordings of all of the, 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 the plenary speakers and the keynotes. Um, and then he would basically had a, a bank of the, of, of duplication machines and so we were hired. Um, our pastor was actually sort of this director of it. It was called the Colorado Ministry Convention. And our pastor happened to be sort of the, the you know, lead, leading the steering committee for that. So he said, hey, you know, we have this really cool opportunity to make some money. So we, we asked our parents. We were able to get out of school for a couple of days, uh, which was, you know, as a senior was pretty cool. And we went and checked in with the, this guy doing this taping ministry. And uh, he says, you know, guys, it's just not really busy. Um, I've got it pretty much covered. He says, you know, maybe check back with me this afternoon. So it gave us the morning to kind of walk around all the all the exhibits within this this ministry convention and um, saw this Papa shot, you know, those basketball Papa shot things. And we were we were bored at this point. We were like, we got to do something. So it happened to be the, the youth for Christ booth. And it was, it was kind of a, uh, a partnered booth with the YFC USA. So the national office of, of, of youth for Christ and also the Denver area youth for Christ were sharing a booth space. And um, we started, we walked up to the pop shot, started shooting some hoops and, and uh, the, there was a guy there who, who actually became a, a dear mentor of mine um, also named Kevin and um he said hey you know would you guys ever be interested in coming to do volunteer projects for youth for christ and then also he says i also happen to to be a volunteer coordinator for our concert ministry in the area and so that perked me up it's like who music you know that's kind of what i want to be a part of so put down our our phone numbers and our and our name and and uh he he followed up with me and um you know months later uh we just kept in touch and he started pulling me in to do volunteer projects and it was like stuffing envelopes for mailings and things like that um but i kind of caught what they were doing which was this whole um super conference on evangelism called dcla um my youth group had gone to dc 91 i wasn't there because i was with the continentals um but I knew of it. I knew what it was. It was a, a super conference on evangelism. It's to basically to train youth into sharing their faith. Um, along with it comes all the concerts and all the um, sort of what surrounds the the, the core training. Um, so it's the whole week experience for youth groups and, and campus life groups and, and things like that. Um, so I just started doing mailings and, and that turned into an internship. And then from an internship, into a staff position where 
I was an intern during the 94 event and it was every three years. And then in 97 became a staff member and, uh, uh, had some responsibilities and, and loved it. I absolutely, um, cherished those few years and, you know, growing up and I was going, I was going to college at the time as well. So. Awesome. So then, uh, then just jumping ahead. So, and then after that, obviously you were, you were married and went through all that, what you talked about earlier. So, uh, eventually you, you healed from that brokenness, eh, with the, with walking with the Lord. And, uh, you know how you talked about wearing that felt like you were wearing the D, which is just totally deception of the enemy, right? Just makes you feel, yeah. feel shamed. And then you don't sh- yeah. share your faith and all that. So, you know, the interesting thing, the thing about that is that I carry that D on my own. Um, there was nobody with maybe the exception of one conversation I had with, uh, with a guy who was, um, an old, an older gentleman who was a little bit, uh, all, he was a little cranky. Um, I think he, he gave me a, he sort of busted my chops for, you know, being divorced and, and, and whatnot. And it was a, besides that, like everyone I came in contact with had only empathy, you know, we're only people there were, that were encouraging me. I, I was plugged into a, a really good small group at the time at, at this church that the Lord led me to. Um, the first day I attended that church, the pastor um, saw me on my way to my car and, and and asked me to lunch with he and his family. And then lo and behold, we find out that he's from he's from Denver, also moved up to Portland. We have we actually have mutual friends. And so it was just like, God, what are you doing? You know, like that's, that was pretty cool just to, to be, to, to give me a place to, to heal and, and just um, let the Lord love on me for a, a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause, Cause um, the enemy wants to, wants you to feel that shame, wants to just bury yeah. you in it. Right. It's just a lie. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and at every turn people were just, you know, they just loved on me. You know, they didn't, I didn't, they weren't judging me. I was judging myself. Yeah. And, um, and, and so that was, that was very encouraging. And, and just part of that, um, when Jesus truly became real and he he just loved on me for, for, um, really a few years. I mean, (laughs) he's loved me ever since he's loved (laughs) me since I was born, but, but really having that, that time to just heal that season to heal. So then, uh, then you were, we were, as we were talking before we got on the air here, um, you talked about wanting to get into production and, and that's when you got in with Epic and, and you were talking about that's, there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened then you had, that's when you met your wife and yeah. So, um, after being here in the Northwest for a while, I'd, I'd really caught a bug to, I remember I was, I was, um, really wanting to do like film and video. And I still had that, that production bug I caught from when I was with youth for Christ doing these massive, you know, super conference on evangelism and, but still having that, that music and and production bug. And, um, I remember I, I ended up, I ended up getting really super ambitious. I, I filmed or I, I, and kind of on my own, it was kind of my own little pet project, but the owners of the company that I was working for at the time was, which was a software company. They sort of like said, Hey, that's great. Um, but I ended up doing a short film, um, you know, like producing, directing, writing uh, a short film for my company. And that we ended up showing, showing at a partner conference. And, and I was just like, I could do this. Like, like I have some skill here. Like I should jump out and, and see if I can, you know, do this freelance. <laughs> so uh, again, through a, a series of just divine appointments, meeting people, cause it's, you know, it's, it's good to build relationships and sometimes you come by projects by people that you know and, and who can sort of endorse you. And so um, I met another mentor of mine who, um, when I ended up leaving that software company, I sort of jumped in with him. Uh, I went freelance. I started Epoch Creative as sort of a, you know, company that I, that would encompass all of the work that I that I do and was interested in doing. And um, 
he also uh, uh, loved the Lord. His name is Bill, and and he loved the Lord, and and had made the introduction to the Louise Palau team because he had done a lot of projects with them and and helped them on on a lot of their uh, large festival events. And um, he actually came from the the television direction. Um, he was a TV director for many years before he started his creative agency, and so I was. Um, just kind of went under his wing for a while and, and learned sort of filled in the gaps with, with my, uh, set. And in that time we ended up doing a, um, uh, sort of a conference locally here. Um, one really cool ministry that the Luis Palau team. So if, if people aren't familiar with the Luis Palau, he was, um, an evangelist, uh, some people have called him like the 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 Billy Graham of South America. He's from Argentina originally, came to school and met his wife up here in Portland, Oregon at, at Multnomah University, uh, launched his ministry. And, and one of his early ministry opportunities was he was the uh, um, the Spanish translator for uh, a Billy Graham, you know, Billy Graham crusade also had, had uh, as part of that crusade, they had um, sort of a Spanish speaking element to it, which he, he took on as the evangelist um, and then started doing, um, you know, events of his own, um, you know, massive crusades, just like uh, a Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke or, or whoever, uh, one cool ministry that they had was they started uh, about 25-ish years ago. They started a, a department of the Luis Palau Association. Is really, it was called Next Generation Alliance, which was a way for an evangelistic ministry like Luis Palau to sort of pour into a, a new generation of evangelists, people who were, who were interested in, in whatever context that is, but becoming a proclamation evangelist to share the good news that included action sports guys, you know, guys that would, would ride their bike, you know, their BMX bikes on ramps, skateboard guys uh, that would, that would bring kids in, they would show them great tricks and then be able to share the, the gospel with them. So that's, um, so they started this ministry. And as part of that, there was a conference that they had brought in all the, these evangelists to kind of spend a week encouraging them, uh, give them an opportunity to sort of, you know, sort of talk shop with other evangelists and see what other people are doing. Uh, get to learn best practices as far as running a ministry in an organization. Um, well, part of that, my um, there was a girl who was on staff <laughs> with Palau, and she had um, sort of um, moved from what was the event, sort of a festival department, and um, into this this new department to work uh, for a time, and she was really the coordinator, um, sort of the the conference queen bee, as I called her. Um, that she was. Um, uh, sort of coordinating this uh, this conference, and I we were in there with this other uh, mentor of mine. We we kind of came in to help sort of direct all the production. We I was there to help direct the evening and sort of do a what we call show call the evening sessions. Uh, make sure everything goes smoothly. Help bring some direction to the to the program flow and and things like that. Um, we also kind of met, we brought in some production vendors and we kind of managed them as well. So lo and behold, I, I met this, this girl, her name is Carrie. And, um, immediately we sort of just had eyes for each other and fell in love and rest is history. Like we spent the whole week kind of flirting and, and, um, and even at some point, uh, Bill, my mentor, uh, I remember we were in a pre-production meeting just before, just before our evening session. And I remember him slapping me on the knee. He says, I think you're going to meet your wife here this week. Wow. You know, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, the week before we were doing another project with a, with an organization called generous giving. And they, they brought together, you know, these massive, you know, massive donors, um, uh, just to bring them in to do a retreat, to encourage them. Um, 
we were there doing the production because we were, they wanted to do sort of a DVD uh, um, capture of all the sessions and, and uh, sort of turn it into a series that they can then promote to other um, donors to encourage, you know, some of those high dollar donors to like, how do you, mul- how do you multiply yourself? How do you encourage other people and people within your circles to give to ministry in effective ways that, you know, in, in sort of God's economy um, uh, more or less. So as part of that, I, I was at a dinner and there was a, somebody I, w- I was getting to know and, and she was asking me about my story and my testimony. I was kind of sharing with you and she just said, well, you know, do you, do you want to, be married again someday. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And and she literally just spoke over me. She's like, you're going to meet your wife soon. And I, I don't even have a recollection of who that person looked like. I it's like, I can't wait for heaven. So I can say, Hey, just to let you know, I met my wife the next week. It was really, really kind of a, a cool moment, but um, that's really kind of set up the rest of my life. Cause my wife and I, she still works for the Louis Plow association. And then we also take on uh, some clients on our own um, to uh, she's got all the giftings that I don't and, and vice versa. And so we get to do events together. So these, uh, these events, what, uh, what kind of numbers like for some perspective, like how well, I'll say, for example, well, first of all, how big was, Awakening Australia. Awakening Australia. I think um, th- there was a, a, a little bit of a transient group that kind of came in and out um, because we opened up the evening sessions to a wider audience. Um, so I, I, I think it, it was around 20,000 people, um, give or take. So that's a, you know, for a, what was a three day conference, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big number. Yeah, um, that is a big so. number. And when you've so. been doing these, uh, these Palau events, how, 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 well, you talked about crusades and stuff, but how big were the events in the U S you know, anywhere they- between a couple thousand to, um, you know, uh, 50, 60,000. Wow. Um, I think the, I remember we were the LARP. We were probably the largest um, outdoor event at the time. I, they may have done something different since then, but um, we did a, a a festival called Love Alaska with with Louise, and I think we had thirteen to fourteen thousand people, which in in Alaska is is one of the largest um, you know gatherings. Um, I'm not sure even the fair, the, they have a, a state fair uh, that's north of Anchorage that gets those kind of numbers. But um, that was pretty cool, you know, because they don't, it's just not a, obviously it's Alaska. It's so the the weather can <laughs> go any which way and it's cold uh, or the summers can get quite muggy and hot. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's typically they happen within cities they happen within the living room of a city. And so the, the idea is and it had been an, a free event an open air event. It's just, it's really a, an opportunity for um, there to, to be sort of that mass evangelism moment um, to, to proclaim it to as many people as we can. What's, what's one of the most amazing things that you've seen at, uh, at these events? And and did you notice it? Because I remember being uh, with Adam at Awakening Scandinavia, mm. and um, just just being on the ministry on a ministry team of being in close with you know the production people and the speakers yeah. and stuff in the same hotel and stuff like that. And uh, I just remember uh, one of the ladies there. I don't know what her position was, but she was always with a clipboard and she was always making sure people were getting to and from the event. And I was brand new to ministry and Adam took me there. So I was just getting throttled by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, But I just remember seeing her and and wondering what, I wonder if she's experienced, because she's working it, right? She's got a job Mm -hmm. to do. And if she, so what's the most amazing thing that you were able to see in and amongst your work and making sure these things run smoothly? Um. That's, that's, that's really good actually. Cause it, it is true. And 
I will preface this in saying that, yes, I think being sort of behind the scenes at these events is, is kind of what I was, I was built for. Uh, honestly, I can't go to church without, you know, I, I basically the, I'm, I'm the video producer at, at church. I would, I'm the one that sort of, um, uh, the one that sort of brought us into doing the the whole uh, video services during COVID um, to doing the li- doing you know live stream services when we did start meeting back in person, and I still to this day am, am sort of the 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 guy that is in charge of making sure the stream happens. I I direct the cameras and you know all that good stuff um, because I, that's that's what I do. Um, I understand the need for, for, for having moments where I'm, where I'm not working and I'm, I'm just, I'm just worshiping, but I do find that the, that work for me is worship as well. Um, uh, is as great as, as it is to be in, you know, in the congregation and, and worshiping, um, and, and singing, um, singing our praises, if you will, to me, uh, it's, it's just as much worship to be behind a console and, and making sure an event goes, goes smoothly. That's kind of my offering. That's my small, you know, loaves and fishes that I can, I can give back to the Lord and, and watch him multiply. And he does, he multiply Cause it's, I even jumping onto this podcast. I'm like, uh, okay, Lord, you know what? I don't think I'm a worthy vessel, but you do. And so here's just my, my small offering. But that's a really good to say, as people experience this, what's our experiences with that, with those moments? And I, I have a couple I can share because um, they've happened a, a handful of different times. But weather is doing an outdoor event. Weather is could really, well, what we feel can make or break an event. Um, uh, if you have weather, it discourages people from coming. Um it could be a safety issue when you get high, you know, high winds and thunder and, and lightning and all that good stuff. Um, but a couple of different times, uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, we were in Tyler, Texas. And on the first day it was gorgeous. The weather was, was held. It was beautiful. Um, it was early October. So the, you know, it was a little muggy, but not too bad. And, and the, I mean, it was just, the, the weather was gorgeous. It was perfect for that first day. The second day we, we sort of keeping our eye on the weather and, and, and sort of the, the, the radar, it looks like during the event, we were going to have some kind of weather storm. And obviously we were discouraged and, and we, you know, we, you just pray, you just give this to the Lord. It's like, you, you know, the money that's been spent to bring all this equipment in um, all the logistics, all the people, all of the, the many hours of prayer that have gone into this event. Um, we're going to leave this to you because this is your event. It is, it is, it's for you. It's not for us. It's for you. And so we just, we just sort of gave it to the Lord and there is, um, I wish I had at at the moment, I wish I had the, the wherewithal to screenshot what I was the, the radar that I was looking at because Tyler is, is about a couple hours outside of Dallas and it's kind of more East Texas and, um, it's surrounded it's off of the freeway. But when you kind of get down into Tyler, there's another highway system that, that basically is a belt line around Tyler. And for our event, our event was actually right in downtown Tyler. We shut down um, one of the main thoroughfares and we put our stage right in the middle of the, right in the middle of the, of the road. We were kind of in front of city hall. And then there was a sort of this, this, uh, this uh, square, this public square, which couldn't really fit a stage or anything. So that's why we had to shut down the the street itself. Um, the weather pattern literally came up to the belt line to that, to that highway that was about seven miles, maybe nine, eight to nine miles outside of the, the downtown Tyler and the weather system had come in and wrapped itself around that belt line and then kept moving. So if you looked at the radar, it was like this perfect circle of clear skies around Tyler. And um, I've never got emotional talking about that, but um, so I apologize. Oh, don't. Um, That's the Lord, bro. 
that was um that was pretty powerful to to see that um because then uh, not a year and a half later and this would have been march of um of 21 uh we were in florida at the time kind of one of the only places that you can do an outdoor event in during the covid world and we were doing a, a doing a, a festival and and um the first day the same thing uh we were supposed to get some pretty significant weather and it came up right up to the, about the county line and and we have this uh the service called weather ops where you're um both my wife and I you know she's she's basically in charge of logistics I'm in charge of all the production that happens on site and we're both watching our phones and getting these alerts of this weather pattern came in and it came up right up to the county line and it just sort of um it just sort of dissipated and um so it's it's both of those times like like the lord knows how much our effort goes into these events they the the people um these are done they're not for the plow team the plow team gets invited into the city the city is really what drives it they're the ones that raise the money locally um to put on these events um we you know the plow team kind of seeds the events a little bit but for the most part all the budgets are raised locally um and and each event is is kind of contextualized to to that city and what they their capacity for how much they they can raise how many how much church involvement it, there is and, and so there's churches all over this all over the county really um uh, for each of these events and, and the hours that are spent in prayer over these events, the, 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 just the man hours. I mean, I get to play a small part. I'm in charge of the stage and, and the production side of it. It's such a small part of what the overall, you know, there's a service element to this event where all the churches prior to the, to the festival event, they get together and they, and they serve the city. They love on the city. They, they do homeless initiatives. They do, um, you know, foster children initiatives. You know, they, they really get their hands dirty with, with ministry in each city and it culminates on these festival events. But the Lord knowing what, what goes into those events and seeing, seeing both of those, I mean, seeing that weather pattern on on the dop on the radar there's no way that anybody could explain it i wish we almost you know could be a minister opportunity with some with some weather folks because they could probably tell me how impossible you know but, that is for a weather pattern to literally just wrap around the city that is and so cool man no other way to explain it so. that is so cool so and, that's 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 a that's a moment to just say okay lord you know, we get to hear all the stories um, afterwards about, you know, people bringing friends and, and saying, hey, I've been praying for this guy for years and years and years. And he came to the festival today. And, and you know, it, um, when Luis shared the message, you know, he, he went forward and I get to pray with you know, my good friend that I've been praying for for years. You know, so we get to hear some of those stories, um, you know. I just was thinking that when Luis shared, Luis, um, um, Luis actually passed away a couple of years ago, um, and his son Andrew is is now the the evangelist, and so, um, and we're we're continuing to do the, those events, and so, yeah, that's awesome, and that that's uh, that's such a cool. I'm still, I'm still hung on when you when you first said that because you know there would be like you said there the people in the city preparing and praying mm-hmm. there would have been intercessors there praying and for sure people seeing the weather coming would be praying against it and and it's yeah. all him right and it's one of those things that makes Jesus real man he calmed the storm and storm yeah. right he calmed the storm and in a situation like this um i've heard stuff like that happening before here too there's a ministry in ontario called ark of god uh mm. canada that does they're, they're not twenty thousand events they're smaller events in smaller communities but nonetheless they're for the lord right and uh, a tornado mm. went through mm. a couple wow. I don't know, it was last summer and 
the, the path that this thing came down through all these different towns. And, and just like you say, it literally went around the town where they were doing this ministry in. And even non-believers were blown away at that. It's just it's crazy. He's so, he's so good. Right. He, mm, yeah. And he's, and he's calling his sheep. And like you say, the yeah. things, the story that you hear of, of people who brought people there who need to hear the Lord. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I was actually, um, going to share as far as like, uh, um, things that we've experienced uh, actually happened this last summer. We were in Man- uh, Manchester, um, UK, um, partnering. It was with the Palau team, but we were partnering with another ministry called the message trust and who is, and then they, ha- they happen to be based. They do ministry all over, really all over the world, but they happen to be based in Manchester. And so they wanted to do a, a big citywide outreach in Manchester. And um, it was a three day event. The first day was like youth. Um, and we, I mean, right away we, we, getting into the event, like this is going to be a different event, what we experienced like in the U S and I've done some other international events, but, uh, um, the crowd in, in Manchester was just, they were just a little different and, um, which was cool. It was cool to see because it was like, these are the, you know, these are the kids that we want to be reaching. Right. Um, uh, my joke was that we really didn't need stage fog haze we call them haze on stage for our lighting because pretty much every teenager in the crowd was vaping (laughs) that first (laughs) night and so it was all you know there was like this this cloud just over the crowd and it's like hey these are the kids that we want to we want to be ministering to well on day three which was really kind of our it was really supposed to be our, our church day. So it was more, it was going to be a little more family oriented as opposed to, you know, we just had some very, you know, youth um, oriented uh, uh, musicians and a speaker on, on the, uh, on the Friday night event. Um, And we had about, uh, yeah, I think we, we were right around 18,000 per night um, because we had sort of a, um, there's different regulations there. So even though we were an open air park, we had to kind of close down the park a little bit and we could only let a certain amount in um, as per an agreement with the, the homeowners, you know, the, the association of the area, all the communities in the area. And, and also with the, the local um, police department allows, allows to do. So we had to kind of click people in. So we were about 18,000 at any, you know, any one point and um, in and out. But on the last day was, was a little bit more, family a little more church um we had matt redmond doing worship um we had brought in the kingdom choir um which they were kind of they're really kind of famous from performing at the the royal wedding a few years ago and um but just the the neatest people that we you know we brought in there was kind of a collaboration with matt redmond and and the choir and and it was halfway through matt set right in the middle of the crowd um there was this like full on brawl. Apparently, two different gangs in the area of kids just decided to to sort of start up a fight and um, in the middle of a Matt Redmond set. In in the middle of yes, in the middle of the Matt Redmond set. <laughs> in right right in front of our our front of house position, which is kind of our our you know uh, soundboard mix position, right in front of that, and so. And it just kind of built and it was just like this massive kind of what you see in some of those old, uh, old footage of like, of, of the soccer games that get crazy. And, and, uh, you know, some of those other, um, music festivals, like with, a with, a, a metal band and everybody's kind of, uh, moshing and stuff. It sort of looked like that, but it got a little bit out of control that we actually had to do a, a show stop wow. and had to just keep communicating to the crowd. Hey, we're going to, we're going to stop the show for the, for a moment because we want to get, be able to the, for the police to, to, to do what they need to do and, and be able to communicate. And because our MC, uh, two of the guys that had, that had been emceeing all weekend were on the festival stage. Um, two of them booked it. And of course I'm, I'm kind of freaking out because this is my, this is my MC that I'm supposed to hand a mic off to. 
and he books it across the stage right right either behind or right in front of Matt Redman and jumps off the stage off of the the sub into the into the pit and then around the gate and was running with this crowd because those two guys who who were involved in the message trust and and another guy who has a, a group called LZ7 um, they do ministry with these kids. And so they, they knew some of these kids. And so they kind of went, went with the crowd, this melee of, of people that were running. And so it, it was kind of crazy. There was a, a basically a, a pack of kids. I'm going to say a pack of kids that was, that were, that ran out of the festival grounds and were kind of surrounding, just kind of running and causing havoc and the police. And it just got crazy. Well, we finally got underway we had to kind of shift our program uh, a little bit and kind of wrap up a little, a little more quickly than we had originally planned, but we still had the opportunity to share the gospel. Matt still did his, his worship set. The next night we were at uh, a dinner and one of those guys who was one of our MCs for the weekend came in and uh, we were all kind of meeting up for kind of a post post-event um, meal and just kind of hanging out. And before we got on a plane and flew back to the U S um, he came in and, and he had just come from a youth meeting. And he says, one of the kids, one of the instigators from that, that fight, that brawl that, that broke out came to our youth meeting tonight and gave his life to the Lord. Come on. Like just showed up and he gave his life to the Lord. And, and so it's like, Okay. That's that. That's why we do it. And you know what? When you first said a, a brawl broke out in the middle of a Matt Redman set, and I, I kind of laughed. It's not that it's funny, but it's like right away. I, I'm. It's a little funny. Well, my reaction to laughing is what what the enemy will do to distract mm-hmm. and deceive, and yet the Lord triumphs because all the world, all of heaven rejoices for one soul saved. Hey, that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's just, I could, I could almost picture it, dude, especially when you're working it, right? Like as in production or the sound guy of like, what, what is going on? That's so crazy. Oh, and having to get on, onto the, you know, we call it, call it a shout system between front of house and monitor world. And, and then I'm tied in with, with a, a comm system with all my, with all my crew. And I'm sitting there on the crew saying, okay, guys, we got to <laughs> stop the show. And, you know, I have to go out and sort of get behind Matt and say, Hey, we're, you know, we're cutting it for a moment and, and, uh, you know, hang tight. And, and you think of safety issues, oh, yeah. um, you know, especially with in, especially in Manchester, because, you know, they had the, the bombing a few years ago at that, um, Ariana Grande concert, you know, it, there's a little bit of sensitivity to those moments. And so, you, so yeah. you think, of, you think of safety, you think of all those things. And, and then when all of that, comes back around um you know once everything is okay then i laughed uh, i probably had a good chuckle too saying it was church night and you know it didn't <laughs> this didn't happen during youth night yeah it happened during our you know our quote-unquote church night and so um you know once everything's okay i probably gave it a, a little little bit of a chuckle too but to have it all come back around and 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 um to see man the this is what you could do, God. Like this is, you know, it's almost in 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 His humor. And again, I don't want to discount the 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 safety that that goes. You know, the 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 um, safety procedures that go into this moment. It is a serious moment that it has to be dealt with seriously. Yeah, but it is. You, you kind of go back and say, "Wow, God, look look at you go!" Like this kid showed up at a youth meeting the next night and gave his life to the Lord. Amen. So that's, yeah. Amen. Well, Kevin, man, we're uh, running out of time, bro, but thanks a lot for mm. jumping on and, and uh, sharing about your life and, and what you do um, with these festivals. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are changed. I know I had some very radical experiences at, at uh, you know, while well, in particular at Awakening uh, Scandinavia. Mm. So, yeah. You know, it's a big group of people that get those things going. So I appreciate what you do and your heart in that. Mm. And you're right. It is, I, it is a method of service and worship. So I appreciate that. Oh, I, yeah, I love it. It's, it's what the, 
the Lord um, sort of built me for, I guess. Awesome. Well, so. man, I have one final question for you, bro. Yeah. So if you're doing production, you got a big crew, you got a crew of people working and you're doing these ministry things. So you're working, I guess some people maybe haven't found the Lord yet, but maybe by and large, the majority of the people you're working with have. So um, at your next event, hypothetically speaking, of course, but at your next event, um, you have one of your coworkers or somebody that you're working with closely and you see, you can see that there's a brokenness in them and, mm. uh, and maybe they just believe they don't quite know Jesus yet, but they always believe cause they just grew up and it just is what it is, you know? Um, but you find out that they got separated or divorced and they're wearing, they're wearing that D on their shoulder that you thought mm. you were, that you put on your shoulder. Hmm. What do you, what do you say to them, man, when you're getting coffee in the side room? Oh, goodness. Um, I've had, I've actually had those conversations, not, not quite to that level, a uh, sort of, um, I remember a, a guy that one of the very first, um, events that I was production managing for the plow team, we had a, a stage tech that was working for, for, a, a vendor, our state vendor, and um, he had a little bit of a, a faith background, and he was just being encouraged by. He says, "Man, your your crew is everybody is so nice," and 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 I try to bring together people who who also love the Lord in in key positions. Obviously, when we have other vendors and stuff, we we know that that they don't necessarily know the Lord, and 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 there's some you know in in the the local crew world and production um i've worked with you know some pretty rough characters if you will um but you know this particular gentleman i think he would he would match that description uh he was a, a little bit rough and he was a rigger and and um but man he just he was a teddy bear he just broke down and we had a, a moment to talk about his a little bit about his life and um how he had, you know, he was trying to reconnect with his daughter. He, you know, had an ex-wife and, and was also trying to get, you know, trying to stay clean as well from, from drugs and some other things. And, and, um, you know, me and my crew, we just, we just try to be that joy of the Lord and, and not let even stressful moments, like we don't need to let things get to us and yell and be crazy. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, we this is this should be fun work. Like we should, <laughs> we should enjoy this. But and he kind of alluded to that a little bit in my conversation with him, and I, even the fact that we were that open and that nice, I think that opened him up a little bit. But you know, I would say to that person, whether it was him or or somebody else, it's man, it's just grace. It's just returning to the to the grace of the Lord. He, the, and I would say, yeah, the, the Lord loves us, but I, I return to the word grace because it doesn't matter where we've come from, what we've done. Like God meets us where we're at. He is madly and madly, madly in love with us. And why wouldn't we want to share that with the world? And why wouldn't, I mean, I, I'm on this side of it. And so I know, I know that love that Jesus has for me. And um, I just want people to know that same love. He just, he he loves us madly, <laughs> you know, and ah, that's just what I come I keep coming back to. Is uh, is his love? It's about the cross. It comes back to that. Awesome, bro. Thanks, man. I, man, I love your heart, bro. Thanks, thanks for having me. This is this is great. Yeah, appreciate you. Take care, brother. Hey, thanks so. He just loves us, friends. That's such profound truth. He just loves us so much. He just loves people so much that he would reroute a storm from an event that he's calling his sheep to. That he would see an instigator in a big brawl in a city of tension come to him, give his life to the Lord amongst the chaos. If you're listening and you grew up in the faith, you think you don't have a testimony, you absolutely do, friends. 